0: Hello everyone and welcome to On Location. This is our first episode back on location since the pandemic took hold last year we're we're really actually supposed to record this episode right before everyone went on lockdown Uh, we we tried to do it last summer again but then cases started rising and um, decided it probably wasn't the the best thing to do so i'm really really happy that this is our first episode back i really missed being out on location Uh, a lot has changed for me over the last year mostly over the last month and a half as my wife and i Just welcome to baby girl. So needless to say that my prep time for this episode was somewhat... I'm I'm a little sleep deprived uh, at this moment and my prep time was uh, a little limited. So I'm glad I prepped a lot of this last year, actually. I I had a lot of my questions already done, which is nice. So just to set the scene a little bit, today we're sitting in the parking lot of an auto body repair shop in the northwest San Fernando Valley in the community of Chatsworth. We're surrounded by other industrial buildings, a train line runs right behind us in the Rocky Hills that are famous for so many popular Western films and TV shows. We are at Eckhart Auto Body, which is the main filming location for Paul Thomas Anderson's 2002 offbeat romantic comedy Punch Drunk Love starring Adam Sandler, Emily Watson, and the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman. And just a quick little backstory. In 2002, I was living in Weehawken, New Jersey, which is just across the river from Manhattan. I was interning and hoping to land a job working on a movie somewhere. In the meantime, I was working in the video department at Tower Records at Lincoln Center, which, um, which was, uh, the third Tower Records store that I worked at, on a number of occasions I'd recognize actually some filmmakers uh, who I was a fan of walking through the aisles there in the video department. One day I said hi to Joel Cohen. Barry Sonnenfeld was browsing the stacks another day. I returned turned some video rentals because Tower was still doing video rentals at that point for famed cinematographer Laszlo Kovacs, who shot Ghostbusters, Easy Rider, Shampoo, so many other great movies. Another day, I had a short conversation with Steven Spielberg, who I rode up uh, the escalator in front of and stopped him at the top and told him I was a young filmmaker, and then he wished me luck. It was uh, really nice. Um, one day, I was working the register, and a gentleman came up uh, to check out, and I immediately recognized him as Paul Thomas Anderson. I said hi. I called him P.T. Anderson, because his movies prior to that was credited as a P.T. Anderson picture. Uh, I told him that I was really looking forward to seeing his new film, Punch Drunk Love, which actually, I think he was in town for, because... The film was the centerpiece at that year's New York Film Festival, which is takes place right there at Lincoln Center. Uh, you know, I didn't know too much about Punch Drunk Love other than it starred Adam Sandler, which was really intriguing to me, and um, that it had something to do with calling a phone sex operator. I didn't really know much else about it. If you've listened to previous episodes, you know that I'm a huge fan of Boogie Nights and Magnolia, so to me it didn't really matter what it was about. I was going to go see it. Uh, when I finally got to see the film at Lincoln Square uh, AMC, I have to tell you, honestly, I was uh, a little underwhelmed uh, upon my first viewing. You know, his his previous two films were two and a half hour, three hour kind of magnum opuses with ensemble casts. And punch Drunk Glove is just on a much different scale. It's about an hour and a half with a relatively small cast. And at its heart, it's a romantic comedy. Uh, Later when the film came out on DVD, I bought it anyway at a store on 8th Avenue in New York that used to put its DVD releases out a little earlier than the actual release date. Uh, Since then, I watched Punch Drunk Love over and over again, and it really is one of the most deliciously wacky, emotionally complex comedies ever made. Uh, Also, it's sequence in which Barry, Adam Sandler's character, is getting bombarded on all sides by his sister, employees, the phone sex operators calling him, shot right here, at Eckhart Auto Body, um, set to John Bryan's incredible minimalist score, is one of the greatest multi-layered Paul Thomas Anderson sequences that easily stacks up with the opening shot of Boogie Nights or the pool sequence in Boogie Nights. Um, It stacks up with the I drink your milkshake scene from There Will Be Blood or the raining frogs from from Magnolia. And honestly, I've grown more attached to Punch Drunk Love since moving to L.A. over 16 years ago. Uh, ever since I started kind of roaming the streets, checking out some of my favorite locations, another point of affection is that uh, that I have for the film is that Barry lives in Sherman Oaks, which is uh, where I live. Uh, I ended up moving from the East Coast here and living in the same area as La as uh, Adam Sandler's character. And when he calls. The phone sex operator, he gives his credit card and his address, and the zip code's 91403, which is my zip code now. So uh, I, I, I just look at that and laugh kind of all these years later. And looking back, it's kind of come full circle. Uh, you know, as I first saw this film in New York, and at that time the mention of Sherman Oaks didn't really mean anything to me, but of course that's now where I live. Um, I'm happy to say that today I have two guests. My first guest is the location manager of Punch Drunk Love, who's worked on Anderson's other films, including Boogie Nights, Magnolia, There Will Be Blood, The Master. He's also worked on other films like Scream 2, National Treasure, The 40 Year Old Virgin, Straight Out of Compton. Uh, I'd like to welcome Larry Ring. How are you doing today, Larry? Very good, thank you. Awesome. I'm so glad um, we could do this a year later. Happy to be back here at Eckhart with glad you. Glad to be here. Have you been here since you shot the movie?
1: Well, I live about uh, three miles away and I pass it all the time, but I haven't come in. What's it? pass it with fond memories, you know.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, what's, so what's it like kind of uh, for you stepping back here onto the property? What kind of immediately comes back to you? Immediately, the uh,
1: the, the scene with the, the, the van and the tire blowing out. That was the probably the biggest thing we shot here. We shot that on a weekend, didn't we? Uh, yeah, yeah, shot that on a weekend. The and, opening uh, shot with the car flipping. With the, with the car flipping, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, my enduring memory is basically having, uh, Paul was waiting in the car with Bill. Paul's the one who pretty much directed me here. I didn't find this location. I'd already shown him, <laughs> I'd already shown him a handful of stuff he was not impressed with. And I was, I just thought we're never going to be able to control an entire auto body base, you know? So one of my memories is I was very nervous about going in and saying, Hey, we want to, you know, shoot here. And we're going to have to shut you down half the time. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it, it went pretty easy. Surprisingly, uh, you know, after meeting Mark, the owner. And uh, my first memory is Paul and Bill and I standing in the back bay that we ended up shooting in, and Paul saying, We need to take this wall down. And we, I'd met the owner about two minutes earlier. Now I had to go back and
0: say, By the way, we also want to tear a wall down. You know, those are the things I think about. And when you say Bill, the production designer Bill Arnold, yeah. yeah that's right. Okay. And you mentioned the location owner. Um, now it's not typical. That I have location owners or location reps on as guests. It's only happened on one other episode and it's really only reserved for those location owners who are super passionate about the location and its relation to the film. Uh, and I can't think, really, of a better example of that than the owner of Eckard Auto Body, which is the main location where Adam Sandler's character, Barry Egan, runs a business making novelty plungers called the Fungers. Um, it's also where Barry adopts a wooden harmonium that is mysteriously dropped off at the front of the property's driveway uh, after a gnarly car accident um, right here out in front of the location on Canoga Avenue uh, that Larry just referenced. Uh, I first came over to Eckhart Auto Body a number of years ago to take photos for an article and I shot the photos from the sidewalk because I don't ever want to step onto the private property without permission. However, if I knew then that the business owner uh, was the same person who owned it when they shot the film and that he was super passionate about the locations used in the film, I would have stopped in immediately to say hi. I'd like to welcome Mark Cardella, Sr. How are you today, Mark? I'm
2: doing great. (laughs) More than happy to participate.
0: You know, Mark and I first met after I started doing my San Fernando Valley film tour, actually. And it's funny because we would drive by Eckhart Auto Body on the bus. It was actually like one of the first stops on the on the tour. Uh, we'd already been driving by the location when Mark reached out to me, I think on Facebook, maybe to let me know that you own the business and you'd be happy for us to stru- to stop by. So we immediately kind of struck up an acquaintance and a friendship at that time.
2: That was good. Well, I noticed it and I thought, God, I wonder if he even knows we're here. And then when you had said, yeah, you're one of the first stops on there. And I go, oh, my goodness, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Um, we've embraced it. Uh, we've, we've had uh, lots of people come by photos and to take tours and things. We've embraced it. If you're going to be involved in something like this, my theory's always been you're going to help and do the best you can to embrace it so that you look just as good as the film itself.
0: Now, what I loved when you guys, because you guys hadn't seen each other since you guys made the movie. I saw when you guys, you guys greeted each other warmly, all of a sudden started kind of reminiscing about, (laughs) about shooting here. What are your guys' recollections upon meeting each other for the first time? You know, Larry, I'll start with you. You know, when you met Mark and told him, yeah, we want to take this wall down. We want to do all this stuff. What do you remember?
1: Well, I mean, I was, Paul makes fun of me. For it. And he made fun of me throughout the shooting because he was like, you know, don't be so timid. Go ask him, you know, to do this and to do that. And I was just always worried about blowing it out of the water, especially we don't, we just met Mark two seconds ago. And so I didn't want him to get overwhelmed. And, you know, because it happens, you know, it happens. You start talking about shutting him down and, you know, noise is a problem. And we, you know, you have to do this and, you know, you're going to need to control this area and we need to park here. And you, and, you know, and a lot of uh, business owners might get uh, cold feet. So. Um, so it was just how, how easy it went once I met Mark. And uh, it became just it was it was it was the perfect spot. And from day one, it went swimmingly.
2: Well, what I remember, and you've heard these stories where people approach you and say, hey, we want to use your place for a movie or we want to use you for a commercial. And, you know, there's always skepticism. He handed me his card. We were just standing over by the big door and, and uh, I said, okay, so what, what is this all about? Well, we're looking at doing a romantic comedy, you know, and I'm thinking at a body shop, okay. Um, <laughs> and he kind of explained, I said, well, who, who's involved? And he said, well, it's a, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film. So my brain goes right to Magnolia, right to Boogie Nights. And I'm thinking, love his films. Um, okay, and it's a uh, it's this and that and that. And I said, "Well, who stars in it?" And he said, "Well, it stars Adam Sandler." I said, "I'm in, I'm in. I don't need to hear any more." What do we need to do to make this work? I I really believe, and I love films. Um, I love the industry. I have relatives in the industry. Um, I always loved them. So I, I for an opportunity to be in a film as a main location, uh, as an average person, as an average you know business owner, was something that I embraced. And from the very beginning. Whatever they needed to do, if, if we could do it, we would do it. We wanted to make sure that if our name was in this film, that it would be the best it could be.
1: I think I should have mentioned it was my first managing job. Right, and you had worked on Paul's previous Paul's couple previous movies, and movies. And it was because of him that I bumped up to manager. So, you know, it was my first job as a manager.
0: So when you say it was because of him you moved up, what happened there that you were an assistant on the previous two, and then all of a sudden now you're, you're the location manager? Yeah,
1: and that's because Paul said, do you want to manage? <laughs> Oh really? It was just as easy. as... Much like, to the horror of the producer who who knows my work very well. <laughs> I'm kidding, but, uh, Is that Dan- but uh, Daniel Daniel Loopy. Daniel yeah. Loopy. Oh, yeah. 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 I love Daniel Loopy. But um, no, that's just all because of Paul saying, "Yeah, why don't you why don't you manage my next one?"
0: That's awesome. That's cool that you know he had that confidence in you, right? Like to just to bump you up to that, especially knowing that uh, you know. His films are generally very heavily right. relied on locations, right? I well, mean- my
1: theory is he, he bumped me up to manager because we were on the set of Magnolia and it was past 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And as a location assistant, you get very skilled at sitting in your car, half asleep with your radio next to you. And there could be calls on it all night long. But the minute they say locations, you snap to attention, you know. So you're sleeping while being you know, awake. It's really interesting. So I'm in my car and they're shooting, and it must be four a.m. And I get a call. Locations come to the, you know, come to the set, which is you know, about ten yards away from me. And I crawl out of my car. and My hair is all messed up, and and they're doing this dolly shot, and they need to cut this fence down. And. <laughs> You know, it was, uh, was on a property that we didn't expect to be on. It's 4 a.m. I can't contact anybody. You know, can we cut this fence down? I go, cut it down. I turn around. I go back to my car. <laughs> I think that's when Paul fell in love with me because he, he you know, he doesn't want to be stopped when he's filming. And he's like, look,
0: fix it in the morning. I want to be able to break some rules and, and keep, keep moving. That's cool that you say that. When we talked originally, you had mentioned that, especially maybe when it came to Punch Drunk Love, which is a small, bit, you know, smaller movie than the previous two. There's this almost this feeling of a French new wave, like 50s and 60s type of film where it's almost kind of this, you know, improvisational style of going to location and shooting. And that sounds kind of like what you're talking about a little bit. Like, here, we're here. Let's get the camera, get the camera and shoot this. The beginning of Punch Drunk, he had an idea in his head because he'd been
1: watching a lot of the French new wave from the late 50s and early 60s and, uh, I think he loved I remember picking up that he liked this funny notion when they were out on the streets filming there'd be people walking up and down the street and they'd be staring at the camera and staring at the action you'd be in a restaurant, and the people the restaurant would be open and there were a cafe and the the people would be staring at the acting you know, the filming in progress and he was really i thought i thought he i think he found that funny or something, so we actually tried to see if we could go out on the street with a steady cam and film adam sandler just on the street no permit just follow him around go, you know let him walk into a store he wanted to go to a restaurant and have it stay open and we would shoot and he didn't care what the people in the background did and it just proved to be impossible to do in la it just you know it just wasn't possible LA's it's the home of filming and everything is a permit you know, I remember they went down Ventura Boulevard. They didn't want me anywhere near this because I'm a location manager and I would have had to pull a permit. <laughs> but they rigged this gigantic, the Steadicam, which don't, doesn't normally have lights. And they rigged these lights on top of this Steadicam. It looked like the robot from Lost in Space to me. It yeah. was like the guy in this gigantic Steadicam with all these lights blaring on top. And they're following Adam Sandler down Ventura Boulevard and just to see what would happen, you know. And then he walks into a, I think it was like an AT&T store, and they got
0: kicked out. It was kind of a disaster, I think, you know. So for you, it was like kind of out of sight, out of mind. It was like, you know, like if you're not seeing it, it's not happening. (laughs) Oh, it wasn't the only time that Paul said, we're going to do this, Larry, you you can't come. (laughs) (laughs) That's hysterical. Oh, my God. And, And you know, it's funny on our previous episode with, tim hillman for magnolia he said something very similar kind of like you're talking about with the fence you know right. he, he he said something that you know paul would often just want to like jump out sh- get the camera oh yeah you he, know and, shoot, sure. and and tim would be like we can't you know you can't we can't just do that we can't just yeah. do that right here on the street you know so that's that's interesting i think he's
1: cool. always frustrated by just the cumbersome nature of like a of a of a hollywood film crew I can't tell you how many times he would look around and there'd be 110 people on the set. He would go, what in the world are all these people doing here? You know, I think he fantasizes about being small and improvisational and and uh it just never seemed, everything, it just keeps
0: mounting and pretty soon there's 120 people on right. the set. So I want to ask you guys, I want to ask you both, you know, if this were like, you know, if Barry really, you know, had his had his shop back there here at Eckhart Auto Body. You know, how do you think the character of Barry would have handled this pandemic? I don't know how to answer that. I,
2: I, you <laughs> know, based on watching the film and the character, I, I I think he would probably just shut in just like everybody else. I, I don't know if he would be here. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: remember, he was struggling
0: to get by. He needed to work. He yes. needed to, you know, he needed to make his money. Mark, talking about business... Maybe if you can tell me briefly, you know, like what was business like for you here at Eckhart Auto Body once this pandemic started last year?
2: Business dropped between 40 to 50 percent and it was frightening. And I mean out of business frightening at that point because there just was not much coming in. Uh, People were afraid to go out. People were afraid to come in. You know, we cleaned and sanitized and masked up. We did everything we did. We followed protocols. But when they don't drive and they don't get in accidents, there's nothing coming in. So we you know, applied for the PPP loan, which we got, which saved us. And I've been here 38 years. And the thought of being taken out by this after 38 years of really struggling to keep it going, because business is hard. Don't let me tell you it's easy. I mean, I've had a good life. It's done really great for me. But when all of a sudden your business is cut by 50%, 40%, you're kind of wondering, you know, my office manager went on unemployment for nine months. You know, I, I brought her back when they told me on the PPP to bring her back. And I did. And um my manager and I did all the work. We took days off helping each other. You know, we we had to have a few days off here and there, but it it was frightening. Without the PPP PPP loan, I don't think we would be here.
0: Mark, do you think you would have been friends with Barry if he was a real guy in the, as a tenant back there?
2: Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I think the relationship between a building owner and a tenant, it has to be a little more deeper than a business relationship so that You can understand how people feel. Everybody needs help once in a while. You can't be stone cold, and I'm just not that way. I mean, I I have my rules, and I make them follow them. But if you do your job, and you're not doing anything illegal, and, and you go about your business, you pay on time, I will never bother you, and I can get along with anybody.
0: So, Larry, you said basically that it was Paul who sent you here essentially i think you said earlier so what do you remember you said you you showed him a bunch of places that that he didn't like what do you remember about the search for an auto body shop and did it did it need to be in the valley was that like a sticking point
1: i think we we wanted it to be in the valley i kept looking for a closed down place like this or perhaps a storage facility like a one level storage facility with bays that we could take over and paint a sign on and you know, take over one or two of the bays because that would be quieter. There wouldn't be body work going on and in and out with customers. So I kept looking for something where we could do the work, you know, without being interrupted. And and uh, not I did, and he didn't send me here. He I we drove around one day and I showed him a bunch of stuff. And I think it was another day we just all got in the car, which I did all the time with. You do all the time with yeah. directors and sure. Hop in with the designer and uh, the director. I think I did it more with Paul than anybody else. But we just get in a car and just drive around he knows the valley and we just drove up and down the valley van eyes everywhere and we drove down this street and he just said what about this place go go talk to him <laughs> so i pulled the car over and they waited and, I, and that was that was that
0: did he ever express to you uh like what it was about this place that was attractive or do you have a theory about why this- i think
1: we knew he he'd explained pretty good that this is the kind of thing he wanted he wanted a row of bays and he wanted barry to be in one of the bays and it, It'd be a weird setup, uh, almost like um, Inherent Vice wasn't the detective. He had an office in a chiropractor's place, you know, <laughs> right, or, or something like that. So it was like he wanted it. To, we knew what it was supposed to look like. And so, no, I wasn't surprised. I was just, you know, I'm looking around going, can we control this street?
0: Is it are the businesses next to us going to be noisy aesthetically what's probably sets this up different than a lot of other places is when you look down this way you've got like the palm trees with the rocky mountains of chatsworth yeah. behind it yeah i think and, we definitely like that and that's an interesting setup you know yeah, that's, it, it is unique yeah I,
1: that, I mean i didn't see it but paul did
0: now i've heard it said in read that in terms of filmmaking uh, filmmaking in the valley and locations nobody knows it better than paul thomas anderson would you agree with that yes he knows the
1: valley he loves the valley. He, when we drive, once we were driving on the west side, and he said, "I've got to get back to the valley. I'm getting hives." I mean, he just he didn't like, didn't want to be on the west side. He likes the valley. I don't know if that's still true, but you know, he might have. You know, but no,
0: he's yeah, he loves the valley. Well I've always said, you know, after his last few films I'm 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 hope he gets back to doing a valley film and now he is, right? right? He's doing the new film here which I'm super excited about. And Mark was telling me earlier they were just around the corner for a location and you went and talked to one of the location people, the owners of one of the businesses they used and kinda like had this camaraderie.
2: Yeah, I, I I just wanted to know how it went with them. I, I didn't know if Larry was the location manager who was there, and obviously because of the COVID and the pandemic, this was after they were done filming. I really couldn't get close to the set, which was fine. I would have loved to have seen Paul and said hello, um, but yeah, it was just to drive every day to go by, and it looked like the 1970s there, the way they had the set dressing. Whoever was the the, uh, I, well, guess I the had it uh, I, re- I
1: retired uh, I, I you know from location managing before oh.
2: Yeah, I took that. early. I don't, yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> 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 you can well, get out of work the better <laughs> you are. <laughs> sure. yeah. but, um, but the one thing about this location when they came to me and they said, we want to use the last two bays, we as the body shop had those last two bays. We basically, other than where Julius was at, you know, in the middle. Oh, that's right, yeah. And um, it, it was the perfect storm because we moved every, all our entire operation up to the front of the building. And um, they had the back exclusively whenever they wanted it, when they wanted to do it. We did not miss one day of work in the body shop at all. We had to stop a few times when they needed to do a shoot to keep the noise down because air noise and grinders and things like that were a problem. But um, there really was no issue for us working. And we worked, we pretty much worked. Nonstop and when they needed us to stop, we did. But there was two days where we came in later and worked a little bit later when they were doing the, the harmonium scene where he was running down the driveway and they needed it. I was inside actually working. I came in and I could hear him running. <laughs> repeatedly down the driveway <laughs> past the first big door and kind of laughing to myself boy he's going to get tired air break because he went they do quite a few takes it was, was just so, kind of normal. mark but. you
1: never got annoyed with all this stopping and starting you no know, quiet please quiet please
2: no no like i said it, we were in and i explained to my guys this is what it was going to be and this is how it was going to be and um, that's what we were going to do, and they they embraced it too i mean they didn't you know a lot of businesses have to shut down and get paid. We actually worked and got paid at the same time, so it was a perfect storm
1: you know I think I paid you too much i think that's the reason you're so <laughs> i don't think so I, I i i
2: i I, <laughs> I remember when they. Uh, I remember when they'd come back um, after uh, They'd gone for three months and uh, Adam went to do Mr. Deeds and Emily Watson went over to Europe to do a film. They stopped for a while and then they came back and they were going to need to do some research. And I remember I was in my office and it was Larry and Paul and Daniel Loopy. I don't know who else was in there. There were like six or eight people. We need your help. Uh, we kind of we kind of need your help. Can you give us a price on using this just to help us out? And I said, Sure. And I gave him a price, and I thought Paul was going to kiss me because it, I don't know whether it was over budget or what was going on, but they needed to use it, and they just didn't have a lot of money. And I said, you know what? It's okay. Whatever you need, this is the price. Use it for as long as you need. Just let me know when you're going to get out. And it's just one of those things where I just didn't feel like I needed to you know, gouge somebody or scare somebody away. It's just not the right thing to do. So they did. Yeah, they we, did the reshoots. Um, we
1: ran out of money, and there was a lot of tension in the office, and Daniel Loopy was and Paul would yell at each other, and... And, uh, but Paul, he was never daunted. He was never, he never seemed to be that concerned. And I, I asked him, you know, are, aren't you worried? I mean, you know, because Daniel Loopy is running around right. as, as it's his job yeah. telling us, look, we have no, you know, nobody can spend any more money, you know. And, uh, I said, Paul, are you concerned? He goes, well, I got a movie almost finished and it's got Adam Sandler in it. I can't imagine not being able to finish it. Who would say, <laughs> You know who would not give me the money to finish an Adam Sandler movie, so I was like, yeah, of course, of course that's true. you know he was never that concerned
0: I mean obviously you had to look at other places I mean you I mean you have to show the director a certain amount of things, I guess, or you're driving around with him looking. Was there ever another place that was ever seriously considered
1: no, I think in this particular instance, this was just slam dunk, pull up, we like the owner it's it sets up nicely. He passed the wall test immediately, meaning he, when we asked him, "We're going to need to tear down this wall." After meeting him for five minutes, he said, "Absolutely, just put it back." And that's what you want, you know, from a from a location owner. So now it was a slam dunk. We liked it. It, it was it was it was big relief because it was our main location.
0: So you tore down a wall in the bays where Barry's offices and place of business, yeah to make so the what was it the last two bays the last bigger two bays yeah. it,
2: from being there were each bay is like 2200 square feet when you knock it down you have 44 4500 square feet and they were able to put the office set and then obviously where all the work area was and um, yeah knocking it down was no big deal because when the construction guys came back they said you want the wall back the same way it was right exactly just do that and they did and it was fine no big deal
0: and you need that space, right? Because his shots, he is, he's of course, the great, you know, these dolly shots that go across. And you know what's another thing that's featured sort of really heavily are the actual doors, right? That's like a big thing. They're either always like rolling up and you have the overexposure from the outside coming in. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Or there's shots where he walks into one door, the camera stays outside and dollies along the white wall and then meets him at the other opening of the door so i think the doors are used so well you know through through the movie and when he's in his workplace mark can you tell me you said you've been here for 38 years 38 years 38 yes. years can you tell me kind of a general history of eckhart auto body
2: well i i came here from an insurance company i was an adjuster and the owner mr eckhart liked me because of how I handled myself with the repairs to cars and he said, Look, I'm looking for somebody to eventually take over the business with my son. You know, I'm in my sixties uh, and I want to retire soon and, you know, next ten or twelve years. And are you interested? And I thought this is an opportunity to learn something uh, different. And I've always been a car person my entire life. In fact during the, the when they were doing the filming I was building a, a kit car in here. It was a four twenty seven Shelby Cobra kit car during during that time. Um, and everybody would come by and take a look at the progress. But I worked for Mr. Eckhart for 12 years, and when he decided to retire, you know, my wife said, look, you ran this business for him, and you made him successful. You can do it for yourself. So we, we purchased the business in two thousand or 1995. So I'd been there 12 years. And then in 2005, we bought the building. So at the time, I was leasing this building, but as an investment, the owner of the building in 2005 wanted to um, sell it. And I'm thinking, well, if they sell the building and somebody wants to take it over, I'm done. I have no, war- I have no job. I have nothing to do. So my wife said, well, let's do that. So we did that. We bought the building. And we've been you know, keeping it going ever since. I mean, I started here when I was 23. I'm now 62. And this is, this is where I'm at. This is my home.
0: And I know just from talking to you and getting to know you that, that Punch Drunk Love is just, uh, it, it, it holds a place in your heart. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, and like I said, I don't meet many location owners um, like that. You know, a lot of times it's just about, the money right it's a money how what are you going to give me you know uh, that's that's kind of a common thing you're you're not like that um do you often get fans of punch trunk Love stopping by eckhart auto body and what are those interactions like
2: well i I'll, I'll start with saying that when the movie was getting ready to be released columbia pictures called me on the phone and they said mark he said look your name address and phone number are very prominent in this film and we're going to tell you you're going to get calls you're going to get visitors it's going, to be, it's going to happen, so you have to decide do you want us to digitize this out. And I said, absolutely not. You know, there's a legacy to something like this that, and I told this to my son at the time he was in high school, and I said, this is something that will live forever. No one can take it away from you, whether it's your name in the credits, there is a thank you, whether it's your business there. And to see that, and the film was so embraced, and everybody seemed to like it, it really made us feel really good. In fact, my wife and I went on vacation to Boston and we went to a, uh, to a film. We just figured we'd go to a movie. And this is the first time I saw the trailer. I was in Boston and the trailer came up and I went, I'm 3,000 miles away and I still can't get away from work. You know. And I saw it. And when I saw the trailer for the first time, I got goosebumps because when you see your name and you see this shot and, and everybody who's been here, uh, that knows me, recognized it. I got a lot of calls when it when it first came out, and everybody saw the film, but it's a it's a legacy thing for me. It's something that goes down in history that my grandchildren can share with their friends too. Hey, look, take a look at this, you know kind of thing and i I embraced it and I enjoy it, and we do have fans from the from day one we've had fans for the last twenty one twenty two years, whatever it is. when they come in and they want to look, I embrace them I, I let them take photos, I take them in the back, I show them. You know, anything they want to see, I show them. And they're thrilled by it. And like you say, if it's something you love, you want to share it.
0: Now, Larry, when you were doing the car flip, was that early in the morning? That's like... Early in the morning on a weekend. Remember if it was a Saturday or a Sunday?
2: I'll tell you why I don't... I think it was during the week. It might have been a Saturday because I know that they did it twice. Um, We did it one day and then they did it the next day. Um, Uh, Well, uh, the reason I
1: think is... You know, I think so we wanted to, to make sure the, there was no traffic. Yeah, we had to shut the, shut the street down, down. Yeah, and we had to clear people from their offices. Right. Uh, yeah, it
2: probably was a Saturday. I think you're right. Yeah,
1: and that's why I think we chose a weekend because right. of the, nothing is occupied, or at least not as much as it would be. You
2: no, know, it's it's pretty barren on the weekend. You know, you have here. a car flipping
1: down the street. You don't know <laughs> it could it could go flying through a building.
0: <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I mean, I
0: (laughs) I have to say, it actually is one of the most shocking openings of a movie I've ever seen, right? I mean, because that car flip is no joke, man. I mean, that thing, I mean, it's a sharp hit when that car flips over. And uh, then, of course, then you have the, the taxi van pulling up here with the harmonium. Let me get, I wanted to ask you both of your opinions. What is sort of your interpretation of this opening car flip followed by a taxi pulling up with a guy dropping off a wooden harmonium. And you kind of hear him whisper to another guy, go, 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 go. Like he's, it's like a hostage situation yeah. or something. What Larry, what do you, what is that? What I'm is it going
1: for to tell you that I was in the, I was in a, a kitchen with talking to uh, Paul's assistant one time. And we happened to be talking about film and, we were both pontificating about, you know, film and this style and that style. And we we're, I, you know, I was being quietly brilliant about film. <laughs> and Paul just, he was listening and he goes, Would you shut the fuck up? I mean, he, you know, he said to me in another time, Can't something just be good? You know, I remember that. And so I'm afraid to say, <laughs> Anything about it? I don't know what. I, honestly, I don't really know. I like it, and uh, I—that's about as far as I'm going to go with it.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, my interpretation of the of the Jeep crash. This is just me on a, you know. And I've tried to analyze. I even asked Paul one time. He was in my office, looking at my my plants and my TV, which he absconded up with and took back to the set because he liked them <laughs> so much. Um, I thought that when you watch go through the film and you watch Barry's personality, he would go from calm too excited really fast and then slow down and I think the jeep crash was maybe part of his personality maybe showing him his personality because he saw it obviously from the back and then when the harmonium was dropped off I still don't know what that is
1: all right I can't help myself <laughs> I think it's like the, the universe you know randomly okay. offering him a, a gift and he
0: gets takes it and then he he learns to play yeah it. <laughs> That's great, guys. I couldn't help myself. Larry, I'm glad you came around with that. Thank you. That's, that's, that's great. That's right. It's like the
2: blue suit, to be honest with you. The blue you. suit. When you look at the blue suit and you look at the walls of the body shop, it's him blending in with the world. Right. When he's sitting at the desk, he basically blends into the wall. And that kind of was my thought. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know.
0: Well, I just like how he's always wearing the suit, but the tie changes. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, first it's like dark, it like matches the suit, and then it's a yellow tie, then it's a red Red tie. You know, I like how it just kind of changes um, through the film. How long was the Punch Drunk Love shoot? I I can't remember.
2: I can tell you. Oh. (laughs) Um, Well, that's just here, remember. That's just here. And just with us, I know that they filmed for about... Uh, close to six months doing on and off and then when like I said Adam went to do Mr. Deeds and Emily Watson went out so they stopped for three months and they came back. It I counted about ten months total overall till they got us back to where we were before. And to be honest, it was sad for me because I had made a lot of friends with the crew and the all the electrical guy whoever was doing whatever was and here. And a fortune. And and a well, I don't know if it was a fortune, but you know I'm what? It was No hard. I know you are. No, it was it was very adequate. I'll put it to you that way. it, it was it was pleasurable and profitable at the same time, <laughs> I have to say. But yeah, but I, I, it was sad for me when they left.
0: All right, everyone. Well, we're going to take a quick little break for a message from our sponsor. On location with Jared Cowan is proudly supported by. My Valley Pass is the most complete online visitor's guide for the San Fernando Valley. For the first time, all the best that the valley has to offer is just a click away. My Valley Pass also offers four unique bus tours that include famous film locations, local breweries, historic restaurants, and bizarre valley oddities. Follow them at MyValleyPass and at MyValleyPass.com. That's MyValleyPass.com. Larry, I just want to ask you, you know, about getting into locations in general. How did you start doing this job?
1: Oh, I was at an advertising firm and uh, the firm wasn't doing very well. And I just had a call from a friend who was in the business, Boyd Wilson. who's still working in the business today. <laughs> and uh, he said, do you want to come work as an assistant? But I ended up assisting on Candyman uh, with him and learning the business that way.
0: Where are you? Are you where are you from originally? I'm from Chatsworth. I went to Chatsworth oh, High School. As a matter of fact, no We're, kidding, here in Chatsworth. Yeah, is that something? Um, can you like bond with Paul Thomas Anderson on the fact that you're both you know like Valley natives? Is that something when you're in the car like you can talk about things you remember in the Valley, or does that not happen? I don't think that we 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 had a lot of fun. He was
1: a, he is so funny. You know, we have a lot of laughs, and he's a joy to be around. There's an energy about him that I always liked. It was it, being on a Paul Thomas Anderson movie it was just different than any other movie because he was always working where nobody is working, doing things that nobody else is doing or would even try to do. So there's always that wonderful heightened sense of oh, we're on a real interesting project here. So I, that, I love. That's why I like. You know, I loved. That, that was my favorite thing, was working on it. But it was also the most stressful thing, because I wanted
0: to, you know, uh, you know, do a good job for Paul. Which does, that, does he, um, do you feel he brings that out in the crew, wanting to do a good job for him? Yeah, I think so. I, absolutely.
1: Yeah. You're working on something that is different. You're working on something that it could be a disaster. It, it might be great. People might be talking about it, you know, years from now. Uh, his movies aren't as disposable as other movies. Like, you know, I've been on a lot of movies that nobody talks about it anymore, but his movies, they, they still get talked about. There's something weird about them. There's, you know, he really is an auteur, you know. Yeah. He's, just, he's got his style and he stamps his style on a, on, a, on a movie and it's people like it.
0: What's the hardest movie you've worked on? Maybe The Master. What set that up as being exceptionally difficult?
1: Well, it was, uh tougher to find locations. Um, um, honestly, when I think about hard, I, when I, when I became a manager, every job seemed to be, I, I dreaded it, you know, I dreaded, it. <laughs> you know, I wasn't good at what I did. I really feel like, you know, uh, I, I always felt like I was just muddling through, you know, and, uh, and relying on other location managers and, uh, I was just always stressed on every job
2: well the one thing that I did <laughs> promise Larry was that I said I promise I will not be one of those I won't do that <laughs> to you I just won't
0: so I mean other than it's just a job and I'm you know it pays well why do, you, why do you why do you do it why do why do you do it why do you think location people do it if it is just like the most grueling hardest job
1: well for me maybe but not for others but um, uh, it's a great it's it's great to be in the film business. It plays well at Christmas parties when your family's there. Oh, I work in the movies. That's always good. I don't, you know, I don't go into detail, about it. I'm the guy in charge of
0: where the bathrooms go and the dumpsters. Is there something exciting about that job? Not just the film business, but is there something that keeps you going? In oh, the yeah. Business? Yeah, I
1: think I'm, I'm painting it a little bit, you know... I'm going a little bit overboard, but no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great job. It is rewarding because you get to see your work on screen and everybody knows it. And there's your name in the credits. I mean, that's all good stuff. You know, my kids, well, I took them, I was the location manager for Pirates of the Caribbean and the LA, all the LA stuff. And I took them at a perfect age to the caves with all the gold in it and the sets and, at Disney. Awesome. And uh, they still remember that. And I brought them to the... Fast and furious shoots, and they watch the cars racing up and down yeah. chinatown and and it 's exciting and it 's interesting and it 's also different every time you know you're're you're, you know one movie you 're here another movie you 're up in you know San francisco shooting a film uh, Everything is different. Every shot, every every movie is different. You know, you learn about you know if if this movie is about whatever it's about, you have to learn about that and figure it out. And so everything it's always different. You're always learning something.
0: So one of the non Valley uh, locations that is in L. A. is the D and D Mattress Man store, at Philip Seymour Hoffman's place, which is in uh, Laverne, I think, out there. It's actually. Come on okay, I think the address is. Le- Laverne, okay. Technically, I don't know. I was looking it up, and it's actually only like a mile away from the uh, the church from the end of the Graduate, which mm-hmm. is which is cool, which I've been to. You know, this place is supposed to be in Utah in the film, Provo, Utah. Uh, knowing that, is there something else you're looking for, or you know, a, a different look of something? Yeah,
1: we decided on uh, Pomona because remember, also his offices were. Philip Seymour Hoffman, where he worked—that yeah. was a club in Pomona. Okay. And uh, when we wanted to do the matches thing, we didn't want—we wanted it to be close to to that location. Do you remember the location I'm talking about? Where he's where he's with his people. Yeah, yeah. The, he's, yeah. He, he's doing that. that was, there's I, like
0: the there's like the rock band in yeah, front of him. Correct. Yeah. That's that and then he walks P- through his office. That's in Pomona.
1: Got gotcha. so the, it, and then it, you know we wanted to do the matches thing close there. Okay. And uh, it had to look different. Different how? Not the Valley and. Uh, so, so you could, you know, so you can, you might imagine it was done in Utah.
0: Were you there for the, the scene when you was filming the commercial on top of the Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's walking on top of the trailer. Yes. And he jumps onto the mat, he jumps onto the mattress and then off onto the ground. Right. That would, Paul, that was a video
1: that was circulating on the internet. Right. Of an, a guy that actually did that. Yeah. So we so, recreated it.
0: So. What was on the ground? Was there like a crash pad on the ground for, for Phil? Because that looks, I mean, it looks real as, yeah. as hell. I mean, that's him exactly what it was. There. Yeah, one of those pads
1: that blends into the asphalt. And-,
0: and, if it, and if you're listening and you don't know what I'm talking about, you can find it on YouTube. There's this commercial uh philip seymour Hoffman standing on walking along the top of a trailer outside the mattress store and he's got a guitar in his he's you know got a guitar <laughs> and he's 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 advertising the place come on down and then below him there's a limousine with about five mattresses stacked on top of it and he jumps off the trailer and bounces off the mattresses and hits the ground the asphalt hard and the guitar breaks and all the crew comes running up and asks if he's okay And then I think he says something like, I was afraid that was going to happen. You know, something like that. It's hysterical. I mean, I think people, because I feel like I saw that posted somewhere and people thought it was real. Like it was a mistake that happened. Oh, is that right? Because it looks really real. And it looks like he got super hurt during that, you know. Um, You know, the other
1: thing that we were looking for, which we didn't end up doing, was two trees that were the right distance apart because there was another scene like that that we wanted to do of this guy saying I want to be a stunt man and he's in a tree being filmed and he says and I'm gonna to leap to this other tree and he leaps to the other tree and it's just a horrible mess and he goes crashing to the ground and we were gonna we were gonna Paul was gonna work that in somehow but we
0: ended up abandoning it now Larry you actually appear in the movie right tell tell us how you appeared in it and then how that even happened
1: uh, well we were scouting a Chatsworth house which I think I actually found, and uh, we were, um, Paul liked it, and we were in there mapping out the scene, just standing around while Paul just thinks about blah, 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 and he just says, there's a brother-in-law sitting here, and he goes, Larry, brother-in-law, and that's it. <laughs> and then Daniel Lupi immediately got pissed off, because he was like, you're a loca- you're the location, remember, it was my first job as a location manager, and he's like, you can't, you don't do this. You are our location manager, and I said, "Well, you got to do what the director says." And I was excited anyway. So,
0: it's a great scene. I love it, and I love that he asked the the brother-in-law dentist for psychiatric help. I think (laughs) that's that's hysterical. I think that is absolutely hysterical. Um, You mentioned earlier, you know, Paul wanting to go to places, didn't you know like the idea of being natural? Actually, people being around, even potentially restaurants. And there is a great restaurant scene that is in Punch Drunk Love, which was shot at Le Petit Chateau, which right. actually closed at the end of 2019 right. after like 40 years of business. Can you tell me how that place got worked into the film? That would be the opposite of Mark here.
1: That man was not interested <laughs> in filming. And Paul liked it and he wanted it. And we, t- we talked the guy into it. And of course, money played a part. And But I will tell you, I hope my memory is not faulty here, but we destroyed that bathroom and the manager, just like in the scene where he's like, get out of my restaurant. Cause you destroyed the bathroom. It was the, also the film company. He was like, get out of my restaurant. You destroyed the bathroom. It was roughly the same thing because he didn't know we were going to go into that bathroom and do it to the extent that we did. So he was, he was angry. The owner was the guy who plays the major D was. Yeah. He an actor? That was him. Oh, that was, that him. that was him.
0: That was him. He's actually really good in the scene. I mean, he was really good. I love when he just says, sir, you better get out of here. I'm going to break your fucking head. Like, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's so good. Right. You know, so funny. When I see that, I'm reminded of him saying to the film company, get out of my restaurant. (laughs) It's roughly the same. Oh, my God. You know, life-paralleling art. You know, and then there's, you know, a couple of apartment buildings. You know, there's Lena's apartment building, which is very, um, which I like because, it it has this maze like quality, which is kind oh, of yeah, what is going right. on. Yeah. And I find it funny because like I'll go vi- to my you know friends' apartments in the valley or whatever, and I'll forget like how to get up to their unit or I forget how to get downstairs. So when I'm watching him run up and down the staircases and through the hallways, it's very familiar. I mean, was that do you know was that something that was looked for in a location or he? Yeah, just, Bill
1: know? Arnold and I did a lot of God. We must have gone into every apartment building in the valley. We would just go in, see if they would, you know, would allow filming, take pictures. We sh- that was a big search. Really? Yeah. That was more typical. R- writing around with the designer, trying you know, taking pictures of whatever you can take pictures of. And back in those days, we taped them up in folders mm-hmm. and presented them to the director. And that was just stacks and stacks of files. And finally, Paul said, what about this one? I- and it was, it was one out of so many, I didn't even think it was distinctive or
0: anything. But it, it really was perfect. It's very sterile. Yeah, it really and, is. And uh, It has white halls with kind of gray trims around the, the the doorways, and I love those long shots all the way down the hallway where you see the gray f- the frames of the the doors as he's it's all kind of converging. It really worked for the, you. You believe that you could get lost? Oh, in that totally. Place. I I mean, I was I, I I've had that experience uh, a number of times. And then there's another location that's fairly close to here, over in uh, Woodland Hills with the 99 cent store and there's a bank where, where Barry's getting his money from the ATM. And that's a really interesting location in that Barry runs around the back of the building down an alleyway and then into makes a left-hand turn into like a really narrow corridor that goes behind some of the businesses Mm -hmm. almost. And from what I can tell that that shopping center has been, been remodeled since you shot it, there's still a 99 cent store. But if you look at it on Google maps, you can see that little, corridor that runs through the buildings was that kind of just found on on a whim like or was it specific that like we had to go from kind of a bigger space to a smaller alleyway to a smaller mm, alley that
1: might have been paul saying yeah this this seems to work and then that's him on, on uh when you're scouting the location going hey what if he did this that's yeah. him on the spot going well let's use this oh this is great what if he ran down here that yeah. was, that's how that happened and I, I remember him saying at the time also you know how the shadow is the big shadow of him yeah. against the wall he said something about two thousand and one. he was all on the spot figuring it out. he loved the whole big wall and the shadow idea
0: now you worked on uh Ray Donovan right right and uh, one of the episodes at least in those year the years that y- you worked on it uh one of the episodes featured uh, miss Donuts that's in Logan oh that's Nuts. funny yeah do you do you were you involved at all about that in the, in in that you know going kind of you worked on boogie nights yeah you know? I was involved in both of them and then yeah. and then kind of going back to to Miss yeah. Donuts was uh-huh. that um, I don't know was it done on purpose I'm just wondering you know having done both things was it kind of a little wink to you know using it in boogie nights it's hard to say. Um I I can't remember
1: if they actually said like the donut shop in Boogie Nights. Oh, funny! We 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 had to do a bunch of scenes in that area on that day, and I know we had a parking lot scene that was across the street, and we needed a donut shop. And it's a great it's a great location. Yeah, it just it's perfect for film. There's depth to it; you can see all all the way through it. It, You know, and it's kind of standalone. And it was the same woman. Oh, was it? Yeah. And But in Boogie Nights,
0: uh, we had to hand her a bag of cash. Yeah, I heard that. (laughs) And I heard it had to be a very quick in and out, like clean up, clean up wise. We Um, were filming in there and
1: suddenly they're frying up donuts. We're like, what are you doing? You know, we got to cook donuts. We're opening up in a few hours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Mark, did you, after the movie came out and, you you know, you talked earlier about the fact that you wanted to keep the name on the sign, the phone number, did you ever feel like you got any business because
2: of the use in the movie uh, yeah a couple yeah we got a couple of jobs out of it but what was interesting was a lot of the crew when they were working i think i fixed a truck for jeff kunkel who was the uh, one of the lead cameramen and he had a suburban and he said i gotta get the suburban fix and my wife's been bugging me he says well i'm here can you guys work on it get this fixed and i said sure just you know leave it with us we'll take care of it but i did do two or three um cars for uh some of the crew um Robert Ellsworth wanted uh, – he had a car that he wanted to get painted. The cinematographer. Asking, yes. Um, and he wanted to see about getting it painted, so I talked to him. I mean, there were there were times when they would see what we were doing, and they go, you know, these guys might be pretty good at doing body work too, just that none as a good location. But, yeah, they, they did. Um, yeah, a few jobs. Nothing dramatic. But, you know, I guess more – I guess more of an emotional attachment than more of a business attachment. You know, you can you can do work, but people – recognizing who you are and wanting to come and wanting to get step you know they want to run down the driveway like adam sandler did you know and (laughs) when they put all that dusty dirt there and he's running and all this dirt's flying off his feet and some you know they're they get excited and they're happy you know and, and that's what i enjoyed the most but a few jobs nothing dramatic but a few
0: and now, when I've had the pleasure of speaking with you in the past, you and you somewhat alluded to it before, there are some pieces from your office that actually made their way into the film. Yes. Can you tell people the next time they watch *Plunge Drunk Love what they should look for in Barry's little workplace back there? The
2: one, thing, the one thing that Paul really liked, we had an aerial photograph of the building, and he had come into my office one time, and he was sitting on the floor in a corner, and he's looking around, and I go, What are you doing? And he goes... I love your office. It's so real. Yes it is. It's a real office we work here every day. I said to Paul and he kind of smiled at me and he goes, "Hey, can I can I borrow this plant?" Hey, are you going to use this? He goes, where did you get those shutters? Where did you get those blinds? Where did you get, can I have this? Can I use this? Paul, take what you want. I don't, I don't really care. It's not a problem. We'll, we'll survive. But the one, the one thing there's a scene where Barry is talking to his sister and they're looking up at this aerial photograph of the shop and it's sitting there and that's prominent in our office. Now it's still sitting there.
0: And the funny thing about that, that interaction is when they're talking to each other or she's talking to him He's only looking at the picture on the wall. He's not looking at her. He's looking at that aerial photo from your office. Correct. Yes. You own own a couple of like 35 millimeter prints of the trailer, don't you? Yes, I do. Where did you get those and what kind of spurred you to grab those?
2: Someone had them on eBay. I actually have a whole box of things... that they had given me. It was called the X4 Project when they were doing it. Well that's right. And I have, you know, they had given me call sheets so I knew when I could be here and not be here. I have kept pretty much everything. Um, I got to go to the casting and, and crew party, which was fun. They awesome. gave us bottles of wine. Paul gave me a bottle of Dom Perignon champagne champagne with a card signed by him thanking me for, you know, a lot of the good stuff. And uh, I got to go to the cast and crew showing. I sat between um, Philip Baker Hall and and Mimi Rogers while I was watching this film. And I took my father with me to watch it. And my dad was just, you know, he's an older guy. He was just thrilled. And and it was John C. Riley was there. Carl Weathers was there. And he got to meet all these people. And Louis Guzman remembered us from Yeah, I love him. And he just came up and said, how are you doing? How's everything going? You know, and it was... uh, it was a full, complete experience. Um, it was a lot of fun, but Isn't I know good, for- and
1: not, not typical. No, that not at all you don't do that. Speaking of Guzman, we had a scene in Panorama City that was supposed to be at his house. The next day, we were supposed to come to the apartment building. I had an assistant at the house, and I this apartment building was a huge setup. I, I had permitted a day early because you ha- because I you know I knew that Paul was capable of, what, of, of what's going to happen. I got a phone call from Daniel Loopy, and I'm at this apartment building, and he goes, Larry, we're coming over. And I'm like, Paul's going to drive over with Daniel. then they want to check out? Maybe they're setting up at the house. And I go, yeah, sure. And he goes, no, we're coming over. The whole company's coming over. Do you have, do you have parking? <laughs> and so that means, you know, a mile of trucks are coming over, and he wants to start filming a day early. So I'm running around, and just by some miracle i had managed to permit it a day early and i had to cuz i had to clear the parking on so this is on Topanga canyon near ventura so you know it's just wall to wall so i i wanted to clear it out early and i just got lucky and they just parked in this haphazard way and i made it work with the apartment owner the the apartment building people and suddenly we were there filming so
0: mark you have you you your name you know has been put down on film uh, because you not only did the shop get a special thanks, but you personally got a, got named in the credits as a special yes. thanks. Yes. How did that happen? What did you like? Ask uh, them I'm, to do that, or yes, what?
2: I, I will tell you this. And Larry may not remember this, but when we decided, we finally came to terms with with the uh, the contract, and I said, "Here's what I want," and I knew Paul would give in because. It wasn't up. To, Paul just said, do what you got to do to get it. I knew. So I, I wanted to eat craft service every day. I wanted to eat with the cast and crew. I wanted to go to the cast and crew <laughs> showing. I wanted to go to the wrap party. I said, I want to immerse myself in the entire process of wow. this. Because this is a one, I really believe it's a one-time shot for the average person that loves movies and loves locations to to be able to enjoy it and embrace it. And I did that. And that's that's kind of what I did. So, Yeah. That and is and when amazing. They, That's they, it. They, they put the name in there, and, and in fact, whenever it goes by, whenever I watch the movie, sometimes I'll be watching HBO and it'll come on and I'll watch and I'll wait for the credits and then I'll I'll take a snapshot of it and I'll send it to my son. And I said, this never gets old.
0: Mark and Eckhart Autobody is kind of like the harmonium, right? It's like a chance thing that happened uh, that really lined up. I mean, that van could have pulled up at any Mm -hmm. shop on canoga avenue um and dropped off a harmonium but uh larry and paul stopped here at eckhart auto body and thanks so much larry and mark this has just been wonderful i'm so happy we could do this after a year uh i'm glad you're doing well um if you listening you know you're in the la area and you need some auto body work i would suggest coming over to Eckhart Auto Body. I mean, not only seriously because, you know, it's a cool, it, like, if you're into locations, it's a super cool location from what is perhaps Paul Thomas Anderson's most singular film, um, but it's not every day that you find an auto body shop, I think, you know, that has great customer service here. I mean, people you can, like, trust, you know, when you're getting your car done. Eckhart Auto Body located at 10101 Canoga Ave in Chatsworth. The phone number is 818- Eight eight two one three nine six. 1396 It's actually the same phone number as seen on the sign in the movie. Um, you can find them online at EckhartAutoBody.com. I'll put the link in the episode description. Now, I'm also really thrilled to announce that on July 10th, My Valley Pass, which is the number one visitor's guide for the San Fernando Valley, which I'm the co-founder, we're going to be screening Punch Drunk Love Here at Eckhart Auto Body is part of our Movies on Location series where we show films at locations or locations uh, with themes that kind of go hand in hand with the movie. But this is the location from Punch Drunk Love. Um, We were actually all set to show it here last April. And of course, the pandemic shut it down. Please go to myvalleypass.com for tickets. Note that tickets are limited. Uh, We hope you'll 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 go over there and grab grab a couple seats it's going to be a really fun night uh, we hope you enjoyed this first episode back on location please follow us on social media to find out when i'll be getting back to my san fernando valley and pasadena bus film tours uh, all of our handles are on the website uh, on currently i'm still doing my langham huntington hotel film tour in pasadena and you can get info about that tour on the website thanks for joining us on location and we'll see you next time